Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, NFL fans? Connor McCarthy here with my uh, co-host Blake Pace, as always. And uh, today we're joined with a special guest, Eli Jennings. Uh, he joined us a couple weeks ago, but made some uh, rather atrocious comments about a Titans player. We'll get into that later. Uh, how are we doing today, guys? Not bad, not bad. Uh, good first weekend of football. I know we went 2-2 two and two in our picks. Um, I'll pick the same four teams. Unfortunately, we'll look to uh, get our picks right back on there. But uh, it should be another good week of football. Yeah, I think you're just excited to be tied with me after losing yeah, the regular yeah. season so poorly. I did blow a 3-1 lead. How about you, Eli? How you doing? <laughs> uh, pretty good, pretty good. I'm uh, excited to talk some football. Thank yeah. you for having me back on. Yeah, for those of you who forgot, Eli is unfortunately a Patriots fan, and I know we all hate take, talking to Patriots fans when it comes to playoff time, so we'll, we'll get into the Patriots later and a bunch of other things. But let's uh, I think uh, Blake wants to do his segment with uh, the numbers and everything. I do. So this is episode 17. Um, before we start... Connor is not allowed to say Alshon Jeffrey That's just not fair. Eli gave him that one. <laughs> it's, it's just not fair. So let's let any other 17s that you can think of that currently wear. We got a few quarterbacks, some good wide receivers. Well, Blake, usually I can name one or two before we get into this, but Eli unfortunately stole Alshon Jeffrey from me, and he also <laughs> mentioned that Brian Shore, quarterback of JMU, is 17, so that's a big name out there. But uh, I am terrible at numbers, as everyone has come to know on this show, so... Any 17s from you, Eli, that you could think of? Does Carson Wentz wear 17? No, he does not. Oh. No. Um, but, okay, so let's look at quarterbacks first. This uh, quarterback, Tori, what? <laughs> I just, wait, Alshon Jeffrey and Carson Wentz are on the same team. How that's could they both be 17? I just, I just, you he gave Alshon Jeffrey. You don't even deserve that anymore. All right, keep going. Uh, this quarterback missed the entire season. Um, torn ACL, I think, in August. AFC West East, AFC East quarterback. Uh, Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill wears mm-hmm. uh, number 17. Yeah. This uh, quarterback almost made it into the playoffs um, in the AFC. Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. Oh Great Rivers. quarterback. You know, I always had a deep feeling that it was him, but I didn't want to be embarrassed <laughs> once again. <laughs> um, and then one of my favorite quarterbacks to pick on, uh, Denver, Houston, Cleveland. Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler wears 17. Um, some I other like receivers that I like, uh, Devontae Adams wears 17. Kamar Aiken. Okay. Um, Chris Conley, Devin Funches, Dontrell Inman, like we mentioned, Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Kellen Moore wears uh, 17. That's a real stud right Eli there. Eli Rogers, um, Mike Wallace, Robert Woods, and Nelson Aguilar. So. So they were actually. Oh, actually, some... Nelson Aguilar wore it last season. He does no longer yeah. wear seventeen. I guess seventeen is like the number for good but not great receivers. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that's what that is. And then some all-time greats: Jake Delhomme, big big Jake Delhomme guy, <laughs> oh, uh, Braylon Edwards, uh, Plaxico Burris, Jason Campbell. Braylon Edwards used to be one of my favorite players good when guy. I was a kid. One of my favorite receivers with the Colts, Austin Collie. He, oh. you know, Ooh. unfortunately, I don't know where he is. 
so many concussions throughout his career, yeah. but uh, small <laughs> small slot receiver that Peyton Manning loved. Um, I like that list of 17s. I don't think they're that bad. You know, maybe maybe one of these days we'll get to a number that you know we'll yeah. be able to yeah, give yeah, some maybe, answers. Maybe maybe <laughs> I don't know. That's a good one. You said Collie had a lot of uh, concussions in his career. Oh, as a slot. Yeah. Well, it seems to be a theme for uh, wide receivers that go out of the slot for Peyton Manning, yeah. Wes Walker. Wes I mean, Walker, he's yeah, thinking all the things. Collie. Maybe that's uh, we should look into that more. <laughs> yeah, <one day>. but <laughs> What's right. he doing? yeah, exactly. So I think we'll get into our subjects now, guys. Ready? All right. So I'm excited for this first one today. Uh, earlier we were debating who are the top five wide receivers going into next year. That's excluding this season. We're not talking about how great someone was this season. We're talking about going into next year talent-wise, who elevates their team the most. So uh, who wants to start first, guys? Eli. Eli, let's, let's go with the guest. Um, all right, well, for the, should I go fifth to first? Yeah, yeah five to one. Fifth to first. Five okay, to okay yeah. uh, number five. This is the only one I have on here that's perhaps a little uh, – Oh, a little, I see little spicy, it right now. a little controversial. Uh, Michael Thomas for uh, the New Orleans Saints. Okay. I I think the third year receiver development. I, I think next year he's going to hit that. I think that's going to be, um, you know, continuing to evolve as Drew Brees' number one option, sort of like the standalone guy in that role down there. Uh, he was the only one looking up and down the list of this year's top performers that I really see. Um, he was up there this past year, and I think he only. Well, maybe yeah. yeah. Okay. This uh, this next one. Uh, then after that, I had DeAndre Hopkins, uh, thirteen TDs this year, really great showing with Deshaun Watson. Uh, hopefully healthy for all of next year. It'll be fun to see what he can do. Uh, number three, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, once he returns, uh, we'll see what happens with the New York Giants. I know we're going to talk about that yeah. later, but just the sheer raw talent he is. I I don't think you can have a conversation about the three best receivers in the league and, uh, and not mention yeah, them. You're definitely right. Uh, and then for me, this was the trickiest part because I'm a big Julio fan. Love Julio Jones. I've always considered him the best receiver in the NFL. Um, just on, in terms of like what he can do. If you put the ball out there, he just finds a way to catch it. And yeah. just such a sheer physical product. But I put him second because time and time again, somehow... Even though, like, if you were to, like, compare the two of them by, based on the way they look just standing there, I mean, Julio's way more imposing. But Antonio Brown is just really good at football. And <laughs> he, year in, year out, he always does it, and I'm going to count him to do it again next year. That's that's my guy at number one, Antonio Brown. Solid list. Blake? So, yeah, I, get, I totally see what you're saying with Michael Thomas. I probably had him around my seven. I was thinking about him, T.Y., maybe right. going into those top five. But who I put at number five in my opinion, is A.J. Green. Um, you know, he's playing with Andy Dalton in an offense that was kind of up and down this year, but um, I think A.J. Green is a stud receiver. He still had over 1,000 yards this year, um, 8,000 yards in his career. Uh, catch percentage was a little down, but, I mean, he's another guy that I don't think is too old yet. I mean, he's 29 years old. He's still got some juice in him, and hopefully if um, Cincinnati can figure out that offense a little going into this season, they can get him going. Uh, At number four, just like you said, uh, DeAndre Hopkins for me. I'd love to see DeAndre Hopkins with a full season with a a great quarterback that can get him the ball. He has unfortunately had to play with some terrible quarterbacks, you know, Brock Osweiler, um, just a a bunch of guys that have gone through there. Um, And then you get Deshaun Watson, and you see that that offense just click, and all of a sudden Watson's down, and then you're you're back to uh, Tom Savage for the rest of the season. So... Um, DeAndre Hopkins is my number four. Um, another guy that I think, you know, next season, he's only going to be 26, and he can take that game with Deshaun Watson to a whole other level. 
this is where you guys aren't going to like me. Um, so at three, I have Julio Jones. Um, and I, like you said, all the reasons there, you know, I completely agree with you. Uh, he's a freak of nature. Um, and, you know, actually, you know, when I talk about these, these three, because I agree with you, you know, the top three, Odell, Antonio, Julio, I think I'm going to just skip to my number one and say that Odell Beckham Jr. is the best wide receiver in football. And yes, he missed all this season, so I'm, you know, unfortunately we have to see can he come back health-wise. But what does Odell Beckham Jr. not have that Antonio Brown and Julio Jones do have? A quarterback who can get them the ball deep. All of Odell's uh, passes or receptions last year were all based off slants and short routes because Eli Manning couldn't get him the ball deep. You know, it was a bunch of catch and run. Um, and, you know, like I said, this year he was hurt, banged up. But over 1,300 yards from scrimmage in all three seasons, he is 25 years old. Um, I think that people kind of forget his talent just because, you know, they don't have much success. But And they think, oh, well, Eli Manning's a great quarterback. He has been. He's got two yeah. Super Bowls. But if you look at him this year... It was kind of the same thing last year, except they had Odell. Like, Eli Manning did not look good this year at all. He looked terrible. You know, he was kind of playing at that same level last year. It was just that he had an Odell Beckham Jr. that he could throw the ball five yards and then have Odell, you know, make an 80-yard cut to the end zone. So I have Odell at number one. Um, Antonio Brown's my number two, like I said. That's, you know, he's, you know, standing next to Julio Jones doesn't look like, you know, you would take Antonio Brown, but he just gets the job done, and he's got so many different routes that he can run. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing when you take into Julio Jones. He's got kind of three simple routes that he can go. Antonio Brown can, you know, just run about every route in football and get a job done. So, yeah, my top five, Odell, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and A.J. Green. That's another solid list. Um, I actually had a more de- or varying list than I thought from y'all two, but um, I do want to say before I talk about my list, Michael Thomas – he is a very underrated receiver, mm-hmm. and over his first two years, more receptions than pretty much anybody. I think it was the most receptions yeah. in the NFL for a guy in his first two years. And a lot of guys, we see sophomore slumps a lot in a lot of different positions. It doesn't have to just be wide receivers, quarterbacks, a lot of different people. Then there's a third-year spike that a lot of people talk about in the NFL. So Michael Thomas could elevate his game even more next year, and then we can talk about him being one of the top three receivers and things like that. Unfortunately, he's not on my list, so I'll get into that. My number five pick was uh, Keenan Allen, which neither of y'all said, and I was a little surprised. Hmm. Keenan Allen is an excellent receiver, and a lot of people have a lot of doubts about him, especially fantasy owners (coughs) after the past couple years when Keenan Allen goes down with a season ending injury and we don't hear a lot about him over the offseason and everything but every time that Keenan Allen is on the field he is Philip Rivers go-to receiver and there's a reason for that no one gets open more than Keenan Allen from the slot I'd have to say I mean he creates separation in routes that I don't really see out of a lot of receivers even the Odell's and the Antonio Brown's they create separation but on the consistency standpoint I see Keenan Allen getting open every play that I watch him and usually he's given 100% and he makes ridiculous catches just as many as those as the top receivers in the game like Antonio and Odell. It just, his name isn't as big right now because of the injuries he's faced in his career. He had 1,393 yards, 102 receptions this year and six touchdowns. That's only that's third in the league in receiving yards behind Julio and Antonio Brown, who were both guys above him on this list. But I just want to give Keenan Allen some love. I think he's a great receiver. In the it, AJ Green was the other receiver that I was debating yeah. between Keenan Allen and AJ to be the number five spot. After that, I have number four. I have Julio Jones number four right wow. now. And as much love as I have for Julio, and I've said it so many times this year, that Julio Jones is the best player in the Falcons, one of the best receivers in the league. 
he has a great quarter. He has or at least a very good quarterback. Yeah. You know, he has Matt Ryan to throw to him and everything. And I know we want to put a lot of the blame on the offensive coordinator and everything. But at some point, DeAndre Hopkins is catching the ball from Tom Savage. He's getting spoon-fed. Don't get me wrong. He is getting spoon-fed. But Julio Jones had three touchdowns this year. He had, he was one of the top receivers in yardage and everything. But there's some other receivers that are making a bigger impact right now. So that's why I have Julio at number four. He's still one of the best in the game. Don't get me wrong in any doubt. Number three, I have DeAndre Hopkins purely over the circumstances that he's have had to overcome with the, the quarterbacks he's had to play with. Besides Deshaun Watson, which just elevated DeAndre Hopkins even more. And that's what good receivers are supposed to do. They're supposed to elevate bad quarterbacks and make good quarterbacks look even better. So DeAndre Hopkins, some of the catches he made, he made the catch of the year this year uh, a couple weeks ago. It was so, yeah, that was one of the best catches I've, yeah, I think it was Christmas Day. It was one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life. It's right up there with the Odell catch that made him the big time. So DeAndre Hopkins, definitely a great receiver. Number two, I have Odell Beckham, and no one makes a bigger impact when he's on the field. The reason I have him at number two, not number one, first off, I love Antonio Brown, and he's amazing and amazes me every week. But Odell, he's also a sideline distraction. He really is a sideline distraction, and that can be a, a little bit detrimental to a team occasionally. We've seen it this year where he's lost it on the sideline, even though Antonio Brown did lose it one time this year. But you don't see it as consistently. And when Odell's got his head straight, I think he is the most talented receiver in this league. You're right. Eli Manning is not getting him the ball down the field. It's all Odell when he does stuff, and the offense looks a million times better. And You cannot say that about a lot of receivers in this league that makes an offense look so much better when he's on the field. So Odell is definitely talented, but I have Antonio Brown at number one because, I mean, the sure consistency and level of play. I mean, he's a sideline wizard. You don't see people making the type of catches he does, and especially at his height. Uh, Antonio Brown is just the best, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think all of our lists relatively the same. Like, I, I didn't even think about Keenan Allen. Um, and I guess you're right. It's kind of just that injury thing. Yeah. Where you kind of, when I kind There's of such a him, stigma. Yeah, yeah, there's such a stigma. Because think about how fantasy football has changed the yeah. way you think about the game now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if your wide receiver doesn't get your points, you think less of him. Mm-hmm. And you're right, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But when he is on there, he's one of the best receivers in football. Yeah. I also, yeah, like I said with Michael Thomas, you know, this third year is going to be great for him. And it's unfortunate to – or maybe it's not unfortunate, but the offense also this season wasn't tailored to the passing game. Mm-hmm. You know, with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, it's run, 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 run. You know, pass to Kamara out of the backfield, hit Ted Ginn for one deep pass. So you haven't even seen the full arsenal of Michael Thomas. And so, you know, he, you know, maybe it's with whatever next quarterback comes into New Orleans that is, you know, a great deep threat um, or a great passer and they they get away from the run game. You're going to see him elevate his game even more. um, And he's definitely one of the bright stars that is young in the league. Yeah, Michael Thomas is really really a guy I like to take that next step very soon, like I said. And it's interesting, one of the players, I did think about Keenan Allen, and uh, funny enough, it is true, you know, I've had him in fantasy before, and it's like, oh, you know, he gets injured. You had it in the back of your mind, you're spiteful, it's okay. I had him this year, and it was pretty amazing. Yeah, he was pretty good this year. Yeah, I I do tend to put a lot of emphasis on, you know, someone's ability to stay on the field. Um, And so hopefully, you know, going forward, Keenan Allen continues to do that, because he is one of those guys. The one that really interested me was A.J. Green, because I just... Almost tend to overlook him in a way. A lot of people do. Yeah. It's not just you. He's, he's got some similarities to guys like like Andre Johnson, even like Calvin Johnson. Just people who are good their whole career, but just never really kind of do the te- due to the team they were on. Yeah. He's never really been in the spotlight. Like exactly. That. I mean, you, you you never really see him in the playoffs that often. They don't get playoff wins. Cincinnati no. hasn't won a playoff game. They've made it a few times, but you know, 
Yeah, he's one of those guys. It's just not a great team, so you overlook it a lot. But yeah. he is a stud, and he's one of the biggest reasons that that offense has remained somewhat relevant. And before we get into our next subject, just two things real quick. One person that the level of parity in the NFL in the constantly changing league, it's funny that you look at the wide receivers three, four years ago, this list would have been completely different, 100% mm-hmm. different. You look three, four years ago, quarterback list is pretty much the same. Over the past, like, ten years, you look at yeah. Drew Brees is up there, Tom Brady's up there, Aaron Rodgers is up there, Ben Roethlisberger's up there, Phillip Rivers is probably up there. This list doesn't really change, but the wide receiver list completely is different. I mean, Demarius Thomas might have been a top receiver like two, three years ago. Someone might have debated he's number one, number two receiver in the Mm -hmm. league. Look how far he's dropped off since not having Peyton Manning anymore. So the level of play that quarterbacks, they can really help a receiver. That's why DeAndre Hopkins wouldn't surprise me if two years down the road, Deshaun Watson is what we think he is. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins becomes the number one receiver in the NFL. It's a lot of a matter of circumstances, and I just think that it's cool to look at what different people's uh, varying views of what the best receiver in the NFL is and uh, look at it over the years. So I think that's enough about receivers for a little bit. We'll go on to the next subject. Last week, me and Blake talked about the Browns organization and things that we could really do to help them and make them a better organization going forward. This week, we're going to go with the Giants. So how would you fix the Giants organization, guys, and what would your plans be for next year? Um so, yeah, I, I really like this, this subject, and like we did it last week, because I'm big on the NFL draft, do a lot of uh, scouting and film watching, and so I really think that um, this year the Giants have a great position to, you know, make a, another leap um, going forward. Um, there, there are two ways that I think they can go about in this draft, um, depending on their future with Eli Manning. Um, I really think that uh, the UCLA quarterback, Josh Rosen, is a great fit for the New York Giants, um, and I think that that's who I'd love to see take over that franchise. Um, you know, there are free agent quarterbacks, and that was a topic we discussed about last week. There are, you know, there's a ton of free agent quarterbacks this year, but I don't really think of the Giants as going on trying to get someone older. I think there's a nice, there's something nice about pairing a young stud receiver like Odell with a young quarterback to have sustained success for both of their entire careers. So I think, you know, they should put that number two pick on uh, quarterback Josh Rosen. Um, another thing that I think that they should do is, you know, put all of their um, investment into getting Matt Patricia to become their next head coach. Um, right now it kind of seems like it's Matt Patricia's between becoming the head coach of the Detroit Lions or the New York Giants. Um, well, both are intriguing jobs, and I understand one of them has Matt Stafford and the other has Eli Manning. Um, I think Bill Belichick's time in New York and how much he valued that is something that he would go and talk to Matt Patricia about Patricia about, and convince him to take over um, as the new face of the Giants. And it's, it's kind of just one of those true organizations that through history is one of the most you know prominent organizations in football. And I think, you know, they have offensive weapons. Um, they have great, you know, Evan Ingram was great, Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham Jr. They got work on the offensive line and running back position and quarterback to figure out, but I think that right now there are a lot of players on the defense who regressed this past season, and I think the best way to get them back to their uh, play two years ago, when I thought they were one of the best defenses in football, is to bring in a, a great defensive-minded coach, and Matt Patricia, I think, would be able to bring that mentality back into the defense of New York. Um the only third and final thing I would say is maybe investing, you know, a second round pick or, you know, trading a pick for one of these young running backs. Um, running backs now in the draft seem to be grown on trees. You can get Alvin Kamara in the third round. You can get all these guys in the later on. We even talked about this, you know, I want to say months ago about how it, how you can find running backs so late in the draft. And I think that the Giants 
are hesitant to take a running back in the draft, but and you you know for some reason they haven't had much success in um, drafting some over the past few years. But I think that there's a plenty of crap. You take any running back from Georgia, I think even yeah. um, there's there's yeah. three of them there. Yeah. Um, so I think that's I think they're when looking at the Giants organization, they need a head coach, defensive minded. I think Matt Patricia is great for that because I think they have a lot of defensive potential that has regressed over the last year. Um, he can elevate that. I believe that you move forward with Josh Rosen as your new franchise quarterback for the Giants, and maybe you don't start him next year. Maybe you keep Eli Manning and get one last year out of him, teach Rosen on the bench, kind of like what Pat Mahomes is doing with um, Alex Smith in Kansas City, and, you know, you just got to turn it around from there. You know, they had such a weird transition from being a playoff team two years ago to the second pick in the draft this year. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, next season with the right staff and the right quarterback and a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. that they're close to the playoff picture again. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to say, uh, running back has been a problem for the Giants for a long time and everything. And like you said, you can get really good talent late in drafts. We've seen it before. But, you know, recently some of the running backs that have been chosen in the first round have really made huge impacts on the team. You look at Zeke. You look at Todd Gurley. You look at even Melvin Gordon. Even though he was labeled a buster for the first year, he's been pretty good ever since. So teams aren't missing as much as they used to, I think, on no. running backs. And surefire talents like Saquon Barkley and stuff like that, I, I'm really leaning towards that for the Giants this next yeah. year because it's been a problem for so long, and it's going to elevate everyone around you. When you get a really talented running back, eight men in the box is a huge thing to have as a quarterback, and it might extend Eli Manning's career for another year if he stays with the Giants. Who knows what's going on with that after all the controversy that went down with it. So I think they should keep Eli for one more year, get a running back, maybe Saquon Barkley early in the draft, and then get a quarterback in the second round possibly, or take a quarterback, like you said, in the first round as well. They definitely need one to sit behind Eli for at least a year. I think Eli has a lot to give to a young quarterback, and they have enough talent around him on offense with Evan Ingram, Odell Beckham if he's healthy. To get one more year of Eli, maybe not doing as great, but that defense, like you said, it can carry them again like it was two years ago. And keep in mind, I mean, there are so many free agents on that defense. There's a lot of free agents that the Giants have picked up over the years. And it could be hard to get all those players to really have a lot of chemistry. We've seen like a lot of uh, locker room drama recently yeah. with the cornerbacks, Eli uh, Apple, Eli Apple Landon Collins. We've seen a lot of drama in that. And that's not a good thing for a court coach to have to come and deal with. So it wouldn't surprise me as soon as the head coach is named and everything if they maybe cut Eli Apple immediately or we'll see if they take a different round. It's like, no, we're a team and we can work this through because we've seen some varying comments from different cornerbacks and safeties such as a lot from Landon Collins as of late about Eli Apple saying he was a cancer on the team and then taking his words back and saying that he wants him back next year. Yeah. It's been really confusing and who knows what's really going on in that Giants locker room. I wish I had a backstage pass to see all this going going on but yeah the Giants are really a mess for a team that has as much talent as it has and could clearly be a competitor next year if they get some of their stuff together so I don't think the Giants are in that much trouble and if anything this number two selection in the draft could benefit their organization for years if they nail it right Mm -hmm. yeah for me the biggest thing is and I think they're going to do what Blake said probably and and get a quarterback probably Josh Rosen but there's a reason that Manning hasn't been terribly... Well, there's a variety of reasons. But Manning gets hit more than anybody. It's yep. always been that way. Their offensive line just isn't good. That also kind of has a little bit to do with why they can't get a run game going. So, bringing in a young quarterback is going to drive up ticket sales. It's going to make the fans happy. It's going to be very exciting. But if you throw them to the Wolves like that, it's not going to work out. And... 
if I had that number two pick, I'm taking the best offensive lineman in the draft, and I'm really going to try and start building there from the ground up. Because the reality is, yes, they have Odell Beckham, they have some explosive weapons on offense, but there's they're not built to contend right now. There's no way. Philadelphia is on the upswing. The Cowboys, if they can get themselves together in the offseason, are, are definitely a team that's much better positioned to make a run. Right now they're looking at maybe fighting for third in their division. It just makes more sense to build something that would be sustainable and really try and, and come back as a multi-dimensional team. Because if you throw a quarterback in there right now, yes, he's going to have some highlight plays to Odell Beckham, and maybe they get to 8-8, eight and eight, but... They're not going to go far in the postseason until they can run the ball. They're not going to be able to do that until they have an offensive line. Well, I, I, I'd have to disagree for one thing. I, you made up some good points and everything, but I think the Giants, I think they had a complete organizational breakdown this year, and it was something that was just, it started in the beginning of the year when they lost a couple games, and then everything started melting down. Receivers got hurt. A bunch of different things happened. I think that they are, I know the NFC East is a very competitive division now, and there's so much talent that's going on, and it really scares me as a Redskin fan to see what's going to happen in the the years are the Eagles going to become a dynasty or something with Carson Wentz, which could clearly could happen. The Cowboys could cl- uh, have a great year next year with Zeke coming back. I mean, even the Redskins, if they somehow keep Kirk Cousins, we have a pretty good offense and our defense is improving. The Giants fell off this year, but I, I always know that they can come back just as strong the next year. I mean, they, their defense was so good two years ago, or not this year, but the year before, and their offense wasn't as good, but when Odell was on that team, it's a completely different unit. It really is. And I, I do like how Blake said when uh, Odell was his number one receiver and everything, he does have more of an impact than anybody in the NFL when it comes to a receiver standpoint when he's on his team and the offense looking different. Because without him, I, Eli was throwing to some people this year that I had never heard of, and I think a lot of NFL fans had never heard of. So if they get their, their receivers back, they have Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Odell Beckham, rather than throwing to Javarius King out there, then I think the Giants will look a, a way different, and they could compete next year. Now, like you said, I don't think they should throw a quarterback out there. I don't think they should throw a young no. rookie quarterback. I think they need a proven veteran like Eli or maybe get another Josh McCallan or something, put somebody mm-hmm. out there for one year, a transition bridge quarterback to get one of their young QBs to start making it because it's not going to be Geno Smith. Definitely not going to be him. So maybe draft a young QB and start developing him now and hope that you're as competitive as you can be next year and then really look to the next season to be the best. Yeah, and, and I'm going to agree with either their offensive line is terrible. Um, Eric Flowers is not it's a tackle in this NFL. He's, <laughs> you know, I, I would be surprised if he finds a job next season in the NFL, um, maybe as a backup, but even then. Um, so offensive line definitely is, is a point of – of emphasis for them this offseason, um, and if they choose to both skip on quarterback and running back, I think those are two positions that would seem more enticing to me than the offensive line. I think that's something that you can find similar um, talent in the second and third round maybe at offensive line and also in free agency. Um, the only last thing that I would add with the Giants is on the defensive side of the ball, I like their D-line, I like their secondary, they need help in the middle, um, specifically inside linebacker. And I think that's something they address maybe in free agency um, if they realize that that's a problem. I mean, there's a couple guys I'm looking at. Navarro Bowman will be a free agent. He just spent the rest of his season in Oakland. Maybe that's a guy you want to go over. Kevin Minter, um, Demario Davis with the Jets, Carlos Dansby, he's getting a little old, but maybe that's a good presence in the locker room. Um, So I think there are a few guys inside linebacker, but that's the only change I'd want to make on the defense, um, 
But yeah, I, you know, they're one of those teams that could easily just turn things around just as quickly as they fell off this past year. Yep, it's just all about getting the right coach and having players have the right mindset, I think. Yeah. So on to our next subject. In uh, week five, Ben Roethlisberger threw for 312 yards, but threw five interceptions against the Jacksonville defense, threw for zero touchdowns. Possibly the worst game in Big Ben's career. Definitely the worst game of the season for him. Mm-hmm. After that, Big Ben took uh, took off, and he was almost in the MVP conversation by the end of the year. So, will Jacksonville make Big Ben look bad again? I don't think they'll make ben, uh, Big Ben look bad again, and I'm going to toss it up more towards I think this week is going to be the Le'Veon Bell show Ooh. against Jacksonville. Um, <laughs> One of the flaws with Jacksonville's defense is being able to stop the run. And LaShawn McCoy, while he was on one leg, had a pretty decent game against the Jags this past week. Um, also, when they last faced, Le'Veon Bell was not. Um, he was, you know, fresh off missing a few weeks, missing all of the mm. summer. And so, you know, his, his legs, he wasn't in NFL form yet. You know, he's had a full season now, and he'll attack that one weakness of... Um, of Jacksonville in stopping the run. And I think he could explode for, you know... Combined, you know, if you want me to throw out a number, I think receiving yards and rushing yards, I think he could go for maybe 170 combined. Um, I really think that this is going to be his game. Like you said, those linebackers, you know, had trouble, um, you know, at some time stopping LaShawn McCoy. Uh, so I think he can, you know, make a miss a few times. I would be a, a little worried throwing in the direction of Ramsey and Bouye. Um, but like you said, Big Ben, that was you know his outlier game of the season, really, and has really turned things around. Um, so I don't think he'll look bad by any means, and I think that might be more towards them tailoring the game towards Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense with Antonio Brown now fully healthy and Bell's there. They're clicking on all cil- cylinders. I, I think the biggest thing for them will be to not get ahead of themselves, not focus on the Patriots for next week, and just apply themselves while they're here. And I don't think it's going to be any problem. The secondary is really good, but considering how Jacksonville's offense has performed, give Big Ben enough opportunities, and at some point, you know, Le'Veon breaks one big, Antonio Brown finds a way to get open. It's, I don't think that they should be that worried, and uh, I think, like you said, make Le'Veon the focus, wait for Antonio Brown to do what he does and make some crazy plays, and, and they'll be good to go. Yeah. yeah. I definitely don't think Ben Roethlisberger is going to repeat what he did in Week Five I mean, by any means. I think he may throw for a touchdown or two. He has a decent game, like you said. I think Le'Veon Bell's going to be the main show. I mean, Big Ben's no Jimmy Garoppolo, am I right? I mean, like Jimmy Garoppolo seems to be the only one that can destroy the Jacksonville defense. And I'll be honest. I'm, all right, okay, all right, but whatever. Uh, yeah, like I have to agree with both of you on this. And if it weren't for Blake Bortles being slightly faster than the Bills linebackers last week, I don't know how that game would have ended up because. Like I've said all season, Blake Bortles is the only reason that Jacksonville could not make it to the Super Bowl or something like that. Uh, Blake says every week that Jacksonville is the best defense possibly of all time. It's one of the best. So uh, I really think that that's going to be their downfall in this one, and Big Ben isn't going to have to throw that much. I think it's just going to be they get a couple touchdowns early with Le'Veon Bell and just grind the clock away, give them 30-plus touches like they did all in the regular season. Antonio Brown makes a screen catch, goes for a couple yards, and just run the clock out once you have a big lead. I don't think this game will be that close particularly. I just I just don't see much coming out of the Jacksonville offense. Yeah, exactly, and that's all they need to do is get ahead early. You know, mm-hmm. score 10 points in the first quarter, first quarter yep. and a half, maybe even in the first half get 10, and I think you're going to be set um, to just run the ball out the second half and waste the clock. Um, the only thing that is interesting to me is that um, 
Pittsburgh's secondary is really banged up right now. They just lost in practice today um, Artie Burns, who was drafted last season. Um, they just lost him to a non-contact injury, and it doesn't look like he's going to be playing this week. Um, so, I don't know. I, I like some of the receivers in Jacksonville. Um, I like who's the rookie they've got from uh, Oklahoma. D.D. Westbrook? D.D. Westbrook. I like him. Marquise I like, Lee's had a good uh, year. Keenan Cole, Marquise, Marquise Lee. Lee. They're missing Allen, um, they're missing Allen Robinson, Robinson, which is a huge yeah. miss. But I still think that these receivers can potentially get open, especially if this Steelers secondary is hurt like it should be. And you're 100% right. There is talent on the Jacksonville offense. There really is Leonard Fournette, even their backup uh, even their backup running backs, Chris Ivory. And, I mean, they have talent everywhere. So, I mean, it's really not a matter of that. So, um, honestly, I just think that uh, it's a matter of Blake Bortles just not living up to what he uh, was supposed to be when they take, took him in the first round all those years ago. I mean, they thought they could just get by with Bortles being inept and just re- leaning on that running game. But good NFL teams make adjustments. And when you're just purely playing to make Bortles, Blake Bortles beat you, I don't know if they can. And if Ryan Shazier was still in the Steelers and healthy right now, there was no shot that Blake Bortles is running for 88 yards. No, that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. So, I think we'll go on to our next one. This one, yeah, I really want to look forward to talking to because especially we have Eli announced. Is there any way for the Titans to beat the Patriots? And the player that Eli was talking a lot of trash about the other day was Derrick Henry. Eli somehow thinks that Derrick Henry is too one-dimensional. I'm going to let Eli speak first before we start getting into this. Well, I, I just want to establish... What I'm saying here. Derrick Henry is a fine NFL running back, and he had an excellent performance last week. I mean, that was an awesome game. He, what, 23 touches, 156 yards, two TDs. He ran very well. He had a great game, and more power to him. I had just heard multiple people talking about how Derrick Henry's the next big thing. Derrick Henry's going to be an elite NFL running back. Derrick, and that's just not the case. He may, he could turn into something, yes. But if you look at his stats, if you look at what he's done, that just doesn't. That's not next up. The week before this past game, okay, he ran 28 times for 51 yards, and he, yes, he tore into the Chiefs last week, and he had a good game then. But I'll read you, okay, the last four games of the season. This is Derrick Henry, eight carries, 26 yards. 7 carries, 19 yards, 8 carries, 25 yards, and then 28 carries, 51 yards. He's played 31 games in his career, and he has 24 receptions, and it's because he's not a pass-catching back. Yes, he can, he's capable of it, but he's not skilled. And in order to be an elite running back in today's offense, if you're going to be Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson, or even Deion Lewis has looked amazing this year. I mean, that he's elite in my point of view. I don't think that Derrick Henry is that. I, if you want to say he's a top, he's, he's a starting caliber running back, all right, maybe. But you, you better have another running back. All right, I'll, put, I'll start this one up. So, Eli, would you agree Adrian Peterson is an elite running back? He was a very elite running back, right? No. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just want to make sure. I'm just going to get that basis. How good of a pass catcher was AP? Um, he, no, he wasn't solidly below average. Okay. He was pretty solidly below uh, average. He couldn't pass protect worth the crap either. But he was still an elite back. Uh-huh. This is from uh, Matt Harmon. I, I, he's one of my favorite writers. He's uh, <coughs> NFLWriter.com. 
So this is, uh, Derrick Henry is more elusive than you might think. The Titans' offense looked more exciting than it had in months during Tennessee's win over Chiefs in the wildcard round. To surprise a few, it came with Henry leading the charge. The second year back has quietly been one of the best at his position all season in limited action. Henry ranked ninth in pro football focus, elusive ratings among running backs with elite 25% of their team's rushing attempts. What's striking about this is that massive Henry weighs 247 pounds, while all other running backs in the top 11 scores above 55 weigh an average of 209.6 pounds. So you have a massive <coughs> running back running with the power that Derrick Henry has that's also elusive and can catch the ball. I don't care how well he can catch the ball. He's no he's, Alfred Morris out there. He has 24 receptions. I understand that, but you have DeMarco. He's not even the starting running back. He's not meant for that. When he's uh-huh. in there, he's meant to pound the rock. He hasn't gotten thank those you, opportunities. Thank you, thank you. But when he has the job to be the number one running back, he will have to have more passing opportunities. As soon as DeMarco Murray is completely off that team, Derrick Henry will take over, and maybe he has as many catches as Adrian Peterson has a year, but that can still lead to being an elite running back. Yeah, but he's not hes not Adrian Peterson. You okay, well, I'm not saying Adrian. he's Adrian Peterson, but he is but definitely But he is definitely a very good running back and has the chance to be elite, and I think he will be one day. The, the thing, and I love how you I'm totally on your side with this, Connor. I like everything you said about that. Like, his size, like, you should not be that fast. Yeah, you should not be this fast. It physically, it should be physically impossible. He's got some great long strides. He has one of the longest strides, I think, of any running back in football. Um, and that just creates an a unbelievable top speed when he's got breakaway runs. The thing that, that we get to talk about Tennessee now is crazy because so many people were calling for Mike Malarkey to be fired, and he should be fired. He should not be the head coach there because he is playing – He's, he chooses to play DeMarco Murray over Derrick Henry every week of this season until Derrick Hen- uh, until it was like physically impossible for DeMarco Murray to play. Um, and, yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay. And in one instance, he ran 28 times for 51 yards. Against the Jaguars defense. And I know that they're not as good point. against the run and everything, but that team is still elusive. And Mar- er, Mariota has been terrible at quarterback this year. I mean, very bad. So the offensive line is not that great either. I, 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 I just he's he's not he's not, in my mind he's Legarrette Blunt. I, oh, I think I think that's who he is. Oh, he's so much faster. I, I think so that's so much. Faster. That's where he's going. But but you can't you can't have him in there when it's a passing situation because he can't pass protect. He can yes he can physically catch a ball, but he's not going to make anybody anybody miss like catching the ball, doing all that. Like he's a fine NFL running back, but he's not elite. Okay. He's not elite. No, he, I'm not saying he's elite yet. He oh, definitely yeah. has the potential, and he's a very good running back right now. I think okay. he, I think he's better than what Legarrette Blount is, so, or was. So, okay, a full season of Derrick Henry as yes. your main running back. Yes. This is the reason DeMarco Murray's been in the game. Yeah, no, DeMarco Murray is a very good running back, and I don't know if he's that good anymore. I'm saying he's last not. year. He, last year he had a yeah. good year. I'm not talking about this year. He looked he looked bad. He looked bad this year. I think Derrick Henry should have been starter. But once uh, Mike Malarkey started realizing that Derrick Henry was taking over and he's clearly the future of the, the backfield. There's, yeah. there's, there's a problem that comes when guys are good in, in certain spots and then we sort of project them like, okay, he's going to be elite. Like, remember a few years ago, Jeremy Hill had an amazing year. It's like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be amazing. It's like, no, he's just good in this in this situation that they put him in. I 
sincerely think there's a difference between Jeremy Hill. Because, you know what, for years I thought Giovanni <laughs> Bernard should have been the running back in Cincinnati because his one year, he had a great year, and then Jeremy Hill came and took the job for <coughs> some reason, unbeknownst to me, because every time Giovanni Bernard is the lead back in Cincinnati, he looks like the best running back. Yeah. Even though Joe Mixon's really good, I'm not going to go I into will. that. No, but, okay, okay. But, like, I mean, there's, there's different comparisons you can make. Like, Jonathan Stewart, Daniel Drew Williams. When Jonathan Stewart finally became the man, it, it was like, all right, but eh. He's not I, that good. Right, so, look, I watch a lot of football. I know both of you do, too. And there's certain times, I feel like as an NFL fan or an NFL analyst, you see guys and they just have an it factor. They just have that factor where you see that other running backs in that situation, you don't see happen very much. Derrick Henry, I've seen several times where he will juke somebody, carry another guy on his back, get him off him, and then go from four more yards or something like that. I don't see that out of a lot of running backs. You don't see that out of many running backs in the NFL, especially a 249 running back that can run with the <coughs> speed he has. Uh, he's everything that Eddie Lacy wishes he he was. Yeah, and, and, and when it's second and three, he's your guy. But he's oh. not a he's not a complete. I'll guy. take him on first and ten when he rubs a thirty yard run, then a twenty yard run, then a ten yard he's run, so then a five fast. yard run. I mean, yeah, yeah, you 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 look at his size and you think maybe he is Legarrette Blunt, but then he turns on those Jets and blows by team secondaries for touchdowns. Like he should not be doing that with his size. Like he's a physical specimen and. You're, I'm not out here saying he's elite, and neither is Connor. I'm not saying he's elite. I think that Tennessee <coughs> season would have looked much different if they had not committed to DeMarco Murray as much as the, as head coach Mike. I Ballard want to see did. Derrick Henry have a full year where he yeah. is the lead and back. He is the number one clearly and gets the majority of the touches all year. That's and what I, I want to see. I think we'll see that next year. I think so, it, too. It seems with DeMarco Murray's injury history. It, I mean, of course, if Mike Millar keeps making bad decisions if he stays in Tennessee – um, and if they keep making bad decisions, then you know maybe Demarco Murray is getting fed the ball twenty five times a game, which he shouldn't be. But you know I think Derrick Henry um, yeah. is the future of that running game. Well, I guess we'll get to bring Eli on next year, and then I, at the end of the season, we'll see if Derrick Henry is our. But, but I will say, you know, year. the beginning subject was. Can the Titans beat the Patriots? And we talked a lot about Derrick Henry and everything. And obviously, we all believe that the only way the Titans are beating the Patriots is if Derrick Henry has a monster day and uh, really turns the clock and keeps the ball out of Brady's hands. So let's let's just go around the poll. Do the Titans have a shot at beating the Patriots? Yes or no? No way. No. No. So we can move on because there's no. If the Patriots lose to the Titans, I, I really got to question a lot of things in the NFL that I thought <laughs> yeah. I knew. I'll be honest. So on to the next subject. And let's talk about the best matchup of uh, this upcoming week. The Vikings versus the Saints. I mean, these are two really good teams, and I hate that they have to play with Jerry because I think this would be a great NFC championship. So uh, what is the X factor in this matchup, and who will win? I'll start with Eli. X factor in this matchup. It's, it's tricky to break it down to just one point because you, you have so many different storylines going on. The Saints look... Pretty complete. They they look like they're. they're I think set they're the most complete offense. Yeah, they. Well, you know, you have the running back tandem. You've always got your breeze there, and then then their defense. Their defense showed up when they needed to. Yep. And sometimes that's about all you can say. Uh, the Vikings have the extra rest week. I always go back and forth. It's nice to make sure everyone's healthy and on the same page, but it's also a little easy to to pick up just that smidge of rust that, that's ultimately what holds you back once you get to the big game. Um. I'm gonna to have to go Saints. I I, th- I think that's the the more obvious easy pick here, maybe just because Drew Brees' experience. Drew Brees, Casey Keenum. That's yeah, basically it, what you look at it when it comes down to it. Exactly, exactly. That defense for Minnesota is very good, and I don't think the offense is good enough 
Minnesota's offense mm-hmm. to do what they would have to do to win this game? Well, I I really this 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 matchup is a toss up in my mind. It really is. I think the Vikings have one of the best defenses in the NFL, right up there, top three unit. And their offense has been very good. I mean, with whatever quarterback's playing back there, I mean, they have possibly the best one-two punch and receivers this year in the NFL with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs when they're both on the field. They have a very good tight end and Kyle Rudolph, two complimentary backs, Tavius Murray and Jared McKinnon. And uh, I can clearly see them winning this game. I think they've played great all year. They've been one of my favorite teams to watch. But that same thing goes with the Saints. I mean, you, you just look at the complimenting things. I mean, uh, Drew Brees is a future Hall of Fame quarterback, two tremendous running backs, a great offensive line, very good receivers. I mean, these teams are just very well-rounded teams, That and I'm excited for this matchup before it even starts. If I were to pick an X-Factor, uh, one player I can sing out, it'd have to be Ted Ginn Jr. in my mind right now. Michael Thomas is going to have Xavier Rhodes on him, and that is a blanket cornerback. I mean, we've seen him blanket some of the best names in the, the game over the past couple of years. Odell Beckham, uh, Julio Jones. I mean, he does some things that I mean, it's up there with the elites. So I think that the other receivers are going to have to step up for the Saints. And like the announcer were talking about last week, Drew Brees is a big downfield quarterback and loves to take advantage of splash plays. And Ted Ginn Jr. is really that guy. He's still got the elite speed even at his age. And he had a big game last week, had an 80-yard TD catch, 115 yards, four receptions. So all it takes is one huge play in this one because the Vikings' defense is so good. And the Saints' defense is good enough to stop the Vikings a decent amount. So one big play like that could completely switch switch momentum in this game. Yeah, this game is is really interesting to me. Um, And it was funny, like you mentioned, the the rest, the week off that the Vikings have had. Um, In Week 17... There were two teams that chose to rest their starters, uh, the Chiefs and the Rams. Week 17, they didn't play their starters. Um, The Chiefs put in Patrick Mahomes and a bunch of their other starters, and the Rams went out and put in their backup, Sean Mannion, whatever. They both lost. They both lost because they they benched their players, and so it's interesting to see what kind of effect. That can go either way. It really can. Um, But it's interesting to look at it. You know, these two teams rested their players, and, you know, they both lost. Um... The X-Factor to me, I didn't think it was an X-Factor last week, and maybe in hindsight I should have, but it's experience. Yeah. Um, and the, when I didn't look at that, I said the Rams were going to beat the Falcons. Um, and that didn't happen. They weren't experienced enough. The, the Atlanta looked like they were just prepared to be that. They were ready. They knew the playoff environment. And they just came out there and whooped uh, Los Angeles' tail from the start. So... To me, I think that the Saints kind of have the upper hand because, A, they haven't you know, been sitting around for a week um, like Minnesota has, and some of their players don't have as much experience. Drew Brees has been there before. Sean Payton has been there before. Um, this Vikings coaching staff hasn't really been there before, and neither has their quarterback, their young receivers, their running backs. Um, so that's really interesting. I think the X Factor is experience. The only other thing that I could think could go against the Saints, unfortunately... While their offensive line is one of the best in the NFL, it's a little banged up right now. Um, you saw one of their best linemen uh, get carted off this past week, and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. This Vikings pass rush is for real, and you know one of the best in the league, top three probably. If they can put pressure on these running backs and you know put pressure on Breeze too, that's going to be the main point of attack for me when I think of um, how the Vikings are going to game plan against this high-octane offense. But... Um, yeah, in the end, I'm going to think that the Saints pull this out based on experience. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I really think this game's going to come down to a field goal overtime, something like that. I, I don't see any other way. I just think these teams are so well matched up against each other. Yeah. And honestly, if <laughs> this could be the best game of the whole postseason. It could be. I mean, that's what I say, and then we're going to turn around and watch uh, the Titans-Patriots game be the best game of the whole postseason. Right. You never know in the NFL, which is one of the part, that's part of the reason why I love covering it and why I love watching it so much, you know. Well, I think that uh, wraps it up for our topics this week, guys. So now on to the game picks for uh, the divisional round of the playoffs. So we'll start with the Titans versus Patriots first. We already went through that, so the Titans versus the Patriots. You guys changing your mind at all? No. <laughs> not, not, not even not a little even, bit. Not even a little bit? Patriots move on. Double-digit win. Is it a double-digit win? Yes. 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 I'm going to say the same thing. So we're going to go with that. 20? Nah, no, I'm not going to get into that. So next game, Jaguars versus the Steelers. Who do you got, Blake? I want to hear your... I hate you the, love the Jaguars. I love the Jaguars so you love much. The Jaguars I just wish that they had someone other than Blake Bortles at quarterback. Why don't you just go with the Jaguars? I can't. I, so go, I gotta go with the Steelers. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster just said a couple minutes ago, Antonio Brown looks the healthiest he's been all season, looks ready to go. And no you way know, he would say that. That's teammates just yeah, yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> way. Still, you know, the Le'Veon Bell is just going to tear this. This offense will break down um, the Jags' defense. I honestly think that the Jaguars have an easier time or are going to have a harder time against the Steelers than they would the Patriots just because I think the Steelers' offense is um, so much more dynamic than New England's. So I'll just throw that out there. I think that, but yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna pick the Steelers. I'm going to be sad to not see this Jags defense in the playoffs, but I don't expect them to, you know, be out of the playoffs anytime soon in the years to come. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's definitely the, uh, the Patriots. And... Now, the Steelers. Steelers. The, Steelers. Steelers, the Patriots. Steelers, Steelers. All right, you know, we know you like the Patriots, <laughs> but we're talking about a different game now. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's sad that are, – are these really the best four teams? Is is there – was there no middle ground that, that could have been found in the AFC that there was some level between – well, I mean, for me, that, that would have kind of been Kansas City. I, if they'd really gotten themselves together and won and, and come up more, I would have been like, okay, now that's a team that can maybe do something. But you can't look at Jacksonville – in the same way, you you couldn't look at the Bills and be like, maybe they'll do something. Like, there's there's just no way. Like, yeah. Why, why is the team, AFC so? Well, you know what the funny thing about you know what the funny thing about that is too. I mean, like, so you're right. These weren't the best teams in the AFC, in my opinion, that made the playoffs. If that were true, the Chargers would have been in there. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's, that's, what, that's what I think you were thinking. You know, the Ravens yeah. probably would have been in there. I know they're not that great, but they're better than the Titans, once again. They're better than the Bills, probably. Better than if the you look at it. That's, that's way too far. But I'm just saying, um, you think about it. All right, before I get it. I read an article right before this, and it was like comparing Bill Belichick to Nick Saban when it comes to Dominus Run. And like this guy basically just said that Bill Belichick is so much better, uh, his legacy is so much better than that of Nick Saban's when he comes down to it. Because think of the level in, the, in college, like playoffs and everything, they pick the best teams, and it doesn't matter a record sometimes. I mean, Alabama's huge loss. There were other teams that had better records than Alabama, but the Alabama got there because they were the best team, and that's what the committee saw and everything. It wasn't a matter of. They had the best record in college football and everything. They were just the most talented, and they could get selected for that. Every year, you could have one of the best teams in the NFL, but certain factors go the wrong way. A ball goes the wrong way. You're you're not making the Super Bowl. You're not going to get to the final game. That's not how it works. So I, I just I, I just don't know what I, I'm even talking about anymore. What the heck <laughs> am I talking about? The freaking yeah. You well, no, no, I, I, I see what you're saying with the playoff. Yeah, that's what I was just trying game. to make that point across. I was really. A, Keen on that. In the can, can I pose this question though with the AFC? I, because I know on paper, yeah, there's a lot of different things going on. 
If you're a Steelers fan, aren't you more nervous that if Baltimore's coming to town than Jacksonville? Coming nah, to town? I think I'm. I'm going to be more nervous. Get, yeah, nervous. I think people are nervous after Ben Roethlisberger threw five interceptions in Week Five. That's why I'm more yeah. nervous about the Jaguars yeah. at home. They were at home too. That's why I'm nervous about this game. Maybe Big Ben starts having PTSD in this game. Yeah. And starts <laughs> thinking. The only yeah. other thing that I think I would rather take Jacksonville in the same way is that while they're both offenses I don't like at all, I think that Jacksonville's is more consistent, especially in the running game. Um, I think that's something that Baltimore lacks. So it's a strong run game. I know it came on late with Alex Collins, and it kind of Baltimore lacks any semblance of a strong offense. So that's yeah, like, I mean Joe Flacco can't really throw the ball deep that way. They don't have great receivers. Um, yeah. So I think I would rather face the Ravens than I would the Jags. And I also just think you know, even looking at the defenses, I think that Jacksonville's is more young and more you know. Battle or not battle tested, more tough to face in the postseason because they have fresher legs, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And you, you want to say, I mean, Jacksonville's young, but some of the free agents they've picked up has yeah. playoff experience. Clay. I mean, yeah. all Clay's Campbell. Campbell yeah. I mean, uh, Barry Church, uh, mm-hmm. even Bouye wasn't he on the team when the Texans went to when the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm year. saying. So all the free agents they have are they've been to the playoffs before and yeah. they've had career years. Why shouldn't they continue it? So I I, I just get the sense that. It's it's a foregone conclusion in most people's minds, and if it was if it was Flacco coming, any even maybe maybe that's more of the eye test. Maybe that's more of like okay, maybe they can do something here. But like with the Jaguars, you know, if you if you get in the end zone, you're you're winning the game. Oh, see, you said some interesting things today. You're trashing <laughs> Derrick Henry. You think Flacco's the Ravens. You're saying Joe, you're saying Joe Flacco's question. elite. <laughs> Eli is saying the Joe Flacco's no, elite. No, no, no. I really don't. I think we need to go to the next game. <laughs> Steelers win this one. Yeah. Okay. Falcons versus the Eagles. This would have been a way better matchup if Carson oh, Wentz yeah. was still here. I think the Eagles would have won this game. Now a lot of people's minds are starting to favor the Falcons. Uh, everybody's pretty much favoring them now. What do you think, Blake? Uh, I'm torn on this. There's terrible weather in Philadelphia. Okay. Atlanta's been playing all season <laughs> inside a dome. The interior defense for uh, Philadelphia is great, and you know I, I really like Alex Mack at center for um, for the Falcons. Secondaries come along. I haven't made up my mind yet. You guys start. <laughs> okay, you, you go ahead. With that. I mean, I'll I go ahead and say it. I'll say it right now. Nick Foles isn't going to win this playoff game. If the Eagles are going to win it, it's like Blake said, it's going to be that interior defensive line. They're going to have to make some big plays on special teams. And I just, the way the Falcons just handled the Rams last week and how they handled Carolina in the Week 17 when they needed a win, the Falcons are playing hot. And I think the Eagles, the Carson Wentz may have hid some more inefficiencies than we like to believe with the Eagles. They also had an easy schedule. But with Carson Wentz, this Eagles team is so much better. I think they're the best team in the NFC with the Carson Wentz. Without him, Nick Foles steps in there. I think they're going to get beat by the Falcons. Yeah, I... Honestly, I was so wrong last week. I really believed in the Rams a lot. I thought for sure they were winning that game. Um, and the Falcons just, like you said, they, they showed they'd been there before. They were poised and made the plays they needed to make, and that's the way I'm going to lean this week, too. I, I think they're going to go into Philly and just find a way to win. Yep. And sometimes it's it's as simple as that. I, they, they, I mean, they really did surprise me last week. Yep. All right. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to go with Atlanta, too. I guess that also just comes into oh, the experience yeah. thing again. Um, yeah, I 
I really wish that Carson Wentz was in this game. It'd be an amazing matchup to watch. Um, but I'm going to take the Falcons. I think it's going to be a lot closer than some people think. I think this could be, you know, a 3 yeah, good game. Um, given, you know, weather conditions, we'll see what that's like in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with the Falcons. I just think they get the job done with more experience. They've been there. Gotcha. So, on to the final game of the, the, the week. Saints versus the Pan- Saints versus the Panthers, no. Saints versus the Vikings. Vikings, that's what it is. Okay, Saints versus the Vikings, which should be the game of the week. Well, let's start with you, Eli. What do you got? Uh, like we talked about earlier, I'm, I just think Drew Brees has too much on the line. At this point in his career, he, he's really gunning for another one. And the Vikings having rested. Interestingly enough, if the Vikings hadn't been off last week, I think I'd be more prone to pick them. But... They've had this rest. They've, they've kind of just been I, obviously preparing, but I don't know. I, with Case Keenum there, without that, that real like electric offense, like they're solid, but they're, they're not going and, and winning games based on their offense. It's all on their defense. And I really just see the Saints pulling out in this one. Like Again, last week, they found a way to win. And yeah, yeah. This, this team, I think they stay hot. Yeah, I really just, uh, this game is once again a toss-up, and just like the first Saints game, and I'm going to go with, basically when it comes down to it, Drew Brees, Casey Keenum, which one am I going to pick? I'm going to pick Drew Brees, because the rest of the teams match up so well, I think. Uh, they both have different strengths, but in the end, I think the Saints just a little bit more, a little bit better. What do you think, Blake? Oh, man, this is also just a tough one. Um, maybe he's tougher to pick than Falcons-Eagles in your guys' mind, but... Um... Oh, man, I really think that the Saints are going to struggle with that offensive line being banged up. Um, yeah, then go with the Vikings. Give me the Vikings. I'm going to give you the Vikings. <laughs> give me, I'm the, give Vikings. me the Vikings. I'm, I, you know, they're at home. I know I just counteracted myself when I talked about the rest that they, they had this past week and how the other teams that rested the week before had lost. Um, that pass rush in Minnesota is probably second to best when behind Jacksonville. Um and, you know, if some of these linemen aren't ready to suit up, then, you know, that's going to be tough. And like you said, you know, maybe that comes down to a Ted Ginn touchdown that I just can't predict right now. But I really think <laughs> that um, Xavier Rhodes is going to do a good job against Michael Thomas. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I'm not terribly impressed with um, with the Saints' front seven. I like their cornerbacks, but I don't like, you know, Manti Teo is over there. They're missing A.J. Klein. They're banged up on the defensive side of the ball, and their pass rush isn't that great either. And so I don't think Minnesota has Minnesota's offense has to go out there and win the game. I think it's a situation where you need to put up a decent amount of points and let your defense do the job. Uh, Minnesota's riding this, and I think they're gonna they're gonna ride it to the Super Bowl. I think right now they're my NFC Super Bowl favorites. So um, I'm gonna pick Minnesota. All right. Well, there we go. Now we have a differing pick, so we don't have to yeah, make right. an identical net record next week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's about it for this week. Anything else to add? Uh, no. That'll Should be, be a good week of football. Glad to have you on the show again, Eli. We'll catch you again next week, guys. Sounds good. Take care. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. 
Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.